0: you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now to my guest. Hey there, Omar. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin, and I want to start today's podcast with a little bit of a story. So I loved my first visit to Reese's Bakery so much that about a week later I went in and got just an assortment of pastries and desserts and brought them into the office, you know, to share with people. And my boss, his parents actually live in France right now. And he had just come back from a trip to France. And, you know, he, so he's kind of like, oh, you know, I've had French pastries. Like I just had these, like, (laughs) are these going to compare? And he bit into the croissant And his eyes got wide, and he didn't say anything for about three seconds. And he was like, that is as close as I've ever had to a French pastry not being in France. Now, I've never been to France, so I can't speak on this intelligently. But all I can say is I know that I love them. And I had to talk to the owners today. I have Iris and Judy Reese uh, here in the studio. Guys, thank you so much for joining the show. Well, thank you for having us.
1: Thank you so much for having us.
0: So Reese's Bakery is still fairly new. Uh, as we're going to talk about, you guys are getting a lot of notoriety <laughs> very quickly. Wow. Um, but for if someone is listening to this and they haven't heard of Reese's or they haven't been able to stop in yet, how would you describe your bakery to somebody who's hearing about it for the first time?
2: Well, we are not a French bakery. We are an international bakery, actually. Um, you know, we have French pastries, of course. We have... Uh, French bread as well, but we also do um, some uh, other European-style breads and and pastries, so more international flavor, no pun intended, but yeah.
1: So, yeah, that's basically it. We found things that we just loved when we were in Europe, and um, by the magic of passion and uh, and deep study and much practice and lots of test kitchen just actually uh, recreated a lot of it so we were able to enjoy it here stateside yeah that's a nice thing good for me anyway
0: so i want to get into that because i think you guys have a really fascinating story first off if anyone's listening to this and at any point in this conversation is just like man i gotta check this out uh reese's bakery is located just off 120th and pacific it's in the old cupcake island space if you're familiar with that so now you know where to go to get these pastries but you just mentioned it judy like from what i can tell in my research and correct me if i'm wrong but you guys are not professionally trained bakers this was basically a trip and a like a passion and a love was discovered kind of what just real quick, what's the origin story behind this? We love food. We love good food. <laughs> I love food, too, and I'm not starting a bakery with like incredible pastries and desserts.
2: Well, I, I, you may find this hard to believe, but I don't have a sweet tooth. I'm not a sweets fan. I like flavorful food. Right. Um, so the less sugar, the better. But if it's—I uh, love fruit, so if it's got that fruity flavor to it, you know, like the Queen Amman, the Queen Amman— is loaded with sugar, but it's also loaded with flavor. Um, so we went to, we were living in Luxembourg, um, working for NATO at the time, and fell in love with the pastries, just the 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 desserts are so flavorful, packed with good stuff, you know, creams and fruits and uh, plated desserts that are to die for. And, you know, I thought, got started dabbling, trying this, trying that, and brought it back stateside
0: and just it grew from there. What does dabbling look like? Like now that would mean getting on YouTube and (laughs) watching a bunch of videos, but I don't know if that was the case. I don't even know if that was available when you started doing this. Like how do you dabble in something so technical?
2: Um, Trial and error. Okay. You, I attended a bunch of classes when we lived in Luxembourg and in France and Germany and in Luxembourg proper. Uh, read, uh, I'm a voracious uh, reader. Read tons of books uh, by various uh, uh, chefs and pastry experts and just tried to see what worked for me and what didn't work and what I liked, what my family liked, uh, which is all the more important, um, and... and
0: that's it. So now, as I was preparing for this, I was really trying to get to the essence of what makes your pastries different because like uh, croissants and, you know, some of the things you offer, you find those around town, but I'd like, I, I bite into yours and it's, it's different. And and the word that I kept encountering, I think what I came back to and obviously there's a lot of technique involved and I think technique is a huge part of it. But the word that was just on your website over and over and over again was ingredients. It's yes. it's the quality of the ingredients. Talk to me about that.
2: Um, well, not so much the qual. Well, quality, yes, you're you're absolutely right. But it's also okay to to make a French croissant or a French baguette. Uh, you try to do it here in this in the states, and we have excellent flour here in the states, but you can't replicate the french feel and taste um without using all of the right ingredients not all the right ingredients but the original ingredients it has you have a french pastry you can't make it with australian flour you have to use um french flour french butter um so yeah that's that's the difference we use our, our our french pastries french flour french butter Organic milk, uh as opposed to water and milk powder, you know, to give it that milky taste. We like, um like the the taste of milk proper. So that's the difference.
0: What's the difference between French flour and flour that you would get here, or French butter and American butter?
2: Well, <laughs> I was afraid you were going to ask me that question. Okay, we'll start I'll... with the butter. Uh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That's okay. The, the French nine. French butter, by law, must be 82% butterfat. And you'll probably say, oh, butterfat. Well, butterfat in butter lends to the creamy taste of butter. Um, So here in the States, it's anywhere between, depending on the brand, anywhere between 77 and 80. There are some brands, some uh, Vermont Creamery, um, who go up to 82, 84%. So starting with the butter, it's every butter has to be at that level of butter fat. And then in the croissants, uh, specifically, there's another type of butter, which is 84%. And that's uh, the butter that you use to actually laminate. So the difference between the butters, as you increase in the, the butter fat content, the temperature, the melting point of the butter increases. So 82%, Eighty-two percent, it melts slower than an American eighty percent butterfat butter. So that's the butter. Okay. The flour. I'm <laughs> loving this. We're getting a little science. Yeah. There. Gosh. Okay. So the flour um, comes from wheat, right? And the U.S. does export a great deal of of wheat to to Europe and and elsewhere throughout the world. The flour is processed differently. There's a different ash content, and we're not going to get into percentages of ash content, but there is a noticeable difference when you produce something with French flour and U.S. flour in the palatability of the product itself. You can have the exact same ingredient, same weights and measures, and you will have two different results. Uh, So much so that here in the U.S. you can get French style flour, which is a mixture of different flowers to to replicate that texture um, and final end product that you'd get using French flour. Here and at the Thalesa,
0: <laughs> We all just got that much smarter. I, I feel much better about myself now. So thanks. So, yes, sir. You were prepared. You were ready for that. Well or maybe you, you know. get that question often. I don't no, know. actually uh, it's all all this useless knowledge I have here in the back. I'm not <laughs> so I, you just you needed it for a, Adobe podcast there you so go there you go. now you have it yes, sir. so I want to to tease some taste buds here before we fully dive into your story for people listening to this, yes, they know what a croissant is. they might know what a a pawn of chocolate is like things like that. but I want to kind of introduce some of the other items on your menu to really kind of. Get their get their salivary glands activated and be like, okay, I got to go check this out. So you mentioned it earlier, but it needs to. We need more discussion on the Queen Amon. because this I've never I'd never heard of it. I'd never seen it anywhere else. And I remember the first time I came in, Judy, you like you offered me like a sample of it, and I was like, man, I don't know what the heck this is. And that was my first bite of Reese's Bakery, and I was just like, whoa, okay like i'm here for this what what is a queen amon and like why is it so good wow um
2: okay queen amon ha- is french origin normandy um is the area so what is it it's laminated dough and what laminated dough is um is dough with butter in the in the center and then you run it through a sheeter or a laminator, um, and you roll it out, and then it's OD'd on sugar. There's no sugar in the dough itself. It's a salty dough, actually. Um, so then once you're when you get to folding, it gets just like a lot of sugar and a lot of butter. Um, the cups, I, I am, <clears throat> yeah, I'm a little, what's uh, the right word for it, I'm a little overzealous when people are buttering the Queen Amand pans and then I tell them, you're not putting enough butter. And when I say you're not putting enough butter is if you think there's a lot of butter, that's not enough. Yeah. You got to put a lot of <laughs> And then it gets sugar and the laminated dough um, is rolled out and cut and folded and it gets more sugar. And it gets an egg wash, which then gets some more sugar on top of that. And then it's baked and it just, all of that sugar and butter
0: caramelizes and it just, it's pretty amazing. It's it's wonderful. And I mean, yeah, butter and sugar taste fantastic together, so it's not a surprise. But what I really love about you guys' social media is you have gone through and made videos like showing the creation process. Like, there was, I think it was like a minute and 20 seconds of video of you making the Queen of Maya. And that was, it sped up it like four or five times speed. So I can't even imagine how long this really took. But I got tired just like watching it. I mean, there are so many steps and layers that go into this. I was blown away. So, yeah, it might sound simple, just, oh, a lot of sugar and a lot of butter, but no, obviously it's no. not that at all. There's a lot of love that goes into this thing. It,
1: it's a lengthy process, and people asked on this past Saturday, we just had like a major um, sellout. It was quite fun, actually, I'm just greeting everyone at once, so many people, but uh, and they were asking, oh, will there be more Queen Amman coming out then later on when we said 1130, we'll have another round? And, you know, I tried to explain that that's a lengthy process. We can't just create Queen Amman. It takes time to make that. And so, you know, people might look at this small little tartlet looking thing and think, what's the big deal, you know, about this? But it's just how everything just comes together. All the, all the parts of it just come together and give you that the flavor that just melts in your mouth. And I've had people walk away somewhat dubious all right i'll try one of that and come back the next day or even the same day and say wow i need more of those it's just it's marvelous the caramelization just what happens with the dough with all the layers with the process it's a lengthy process but it's worth it
0: but yeah the payoff definitely worth it next item i gotta ask you about is the Lage waffle because this is like my newest obsession, whether it's a late night snack, midday snack, breakfast, I don't care. Like, I eat these things like a junkie. But I'm curious because, you know, for a bakery that offers bread and pastries and desserts, I feel like, I mean, I guess I don't really even know what bucket that the Leige waffle falls into. But I don't know if it's any of those. What made you say this is something that we need to serve at our bakery?
2: Um, My grandchildren love it. Love them oh, so a you know a, as the everybody down I, yeah. uh, I don't eat them. They're because you don't like the sugar. But they're too sweet. Yep. for my for my taste. That's but, fair. uh, You know, I don't have to eat them. Uh, I do have to like them. I like the just the waffle. Um, so yeah, it. Uh...
1: So yeah, they they're It's a Belgian treat. You can buy them on the street. You can buy them anywhere in Belgium. And it's like you pick it up with your coffee. You can buy it uh, at a street vendor. So it's, you know, that's uh, one of the little pockets of Belgium that we represent in the shop. And, um, you know, it doesn't need syrup, doesn't need anything else. It's got the little light caramelization over the top of it and the Belgian um, pearl pearl sugar sugar. inside that adds the crunch to it, you know, crystallize on the inside. So it's just a nice put-it-in-your-pocket treat.
0: No. I, I, it doesn't go in my pocket. It just, just goes <laughs> straight into my going.
2: <laughs> I'm going to give you a little piece of useless knowledge on the... Oh, here we go. Belgian pearl sugar. What is it made of? From, I should say.
0: Well, okay. You're, you're giving me a piece of knowledge. You didn't say you were gonna quiz me. <laughs> I am... Well, you know, you ask you ask me questions, I get to ask you questions. Oh, oh so fair no, enough. I I have no answer for, I mean I could try and Google it real quick before <laughs> you give me I, I have no idea. No idea? It's actually made from beets. Really? Yes, sir. I love beets. And they do have a nice natural sweetness. Yes sir. So so there it's healthy go. then, right? Because it comes from a root vegetable. Oh uh, well, you know, as long as I don't but, eat uh, half a dozen a <laughs> lot of the time, yeah. <laughs>
1: You know what? By the way, I just wanted to correct one thing. You said Normandy, Brittany, Brittany mm. region. Sorry. That's the uh, the Queen Amman originated in the Brittany region of France.
2: No, okay. not Normandy. No worries. I stand corrected.
0: Uh, last item that I got to ask you guys about is the provost autolope loaf excuse me yeah because i actually i googled this and i didn't get like any other results on on this thing so it's a it's a loaf of bread that has soprasada and provolone cheese baked into it so it's just like the ultimate savory meaty salty just amazing loaf of carbs it's tremendous but i didn't see it anywhere else so i was curious is this a family specialty or where did it come from
2: Okay, so can I name the, the bakery from where it originated? Of course. Okay, so this actually comes from our childhood neighborhood back in Brooklyn, New York. Mazzola's Bakery used to sell, or they still sell, uh, it used to be called lard bread. Now, there's no lard in it, but it is packed with the salami, the cheese, and, and um, the pepper, And we would go there and buy them. You have to buy two at a time because if you only need one, the other one will never make it home because it gets eaten on the car ride home. So absolutely adore the bread. So I decided, well, let me try my hand at uh, um, baking lard bread. They changed the name actually from lard bread to prosciutto (laughs) bread because that's a little more trendy um and you know people hear lard and they say oh no mm. we don't want any of that so we named it prosciutto bread after Bros. working provasata after uh working on the recipe and getting it down right my my neighbors back in brooklyn you know they were like we love this because they were my taste testers i would make stuff at the house and then take it over there how does this taste how does that taste you know what's the texture like in the whole 9 yards so that's the the origin and the history of the provosata
0: well, it, it's a must. So, I mean, we, we've kind of covered the spectrum. So sweet, savory, breads. You guys also have desserts. You've got a lot more in the shop, but I wanted to at least call out a couple different menu items. But now I want to get more into the backstory, and I want to go back. How How did you guys meet? How, how did you guys get together? I think wow. Iris said you've been married for more than 40 years, right? Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, so take me back.
1: Wow. Let me Let me step into this one. So we lived in the same neighborhood, but on opposite sides of the track. So I was in the uh, less favorable section of the neighborhood, which I didn't know because that was all I knew was that that side. His side of the track was uh, was very different. We were separated by the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. It was between the, the our two parts of the neighborhood. In any event, we met through a mutual friend. Um, and initially I did not like him. I thought, oh, I don't know if I like this guy. Uh, so yeah, after some going bowling with some friends and having a couple of outings, uh, you know, we hit it off and we, we married not long after that. And he was in the Navy at the time. And uh, so I married into the Navy and left the neighborhood and we have traveled. We've been globe trotting. I've just... You know, of course, I support him his career um, throughout uh, his career in the in the U.S. Navy, and uh, and then we finally ended up in the corporate world. We had um, three girls in the midst of that three daughters. One lives here in Omaha, uh, and then we have one that's serving currently in the U.S. Air Force, and one who is in the Pacific Northwest. She's recently married. So yeah, we we just hit it off, and we. Continued to um, travel around wherever the navy sent us, and made a lot of discoveries, food wise and (laughs) otherwise. So, yeah, we lived where we live. We lived in um, Iceland, Portugal, Portugal.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, how about Italy, Italy,
1: Uh, Luxembourg, Luxembourg. That came later, but yeah. So we've been together forty one, it's gonna be forty two years.
0: Well, thank you very much for your service. Uh, Was food always like uh, a connector in your relationship, or is that something that developed later on? Well, she cooks just like my mother. So that's never a bad thing.
1: That's a great compliment to me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) She cooks like my mom, so I have absolutely no complaints. But we have always been a lover of foods. Um, I grew up, uh, I was born in Brazil, raised in in New York, Um, and my mother would cook she would work and come home and cook every night and we just love we just love food we love good quality food um, so yeah and I love the fact that in Omaha there are more eateries you you can go for an entire year and never have to eat at the same place twice
0: it's great it's fantastic don't don't I know it man I, can, I cannot keep up with this food scene like my list of places that I need to try gets longer way faster than it gets shorter it's insane yeah but i'm very curious because you just said you've lived in all these different countries you've been globe trotting Mm -hmm. but it was luxembourg where about 15 years ago where you really kind of caught the bug and you were like i need to try this myself what was it about that location and what you were experiencing there that moved you past i love this to ooh, I love this so much, I need to figure out how to make it myself? Okay, fair question.
2: Um, Well, we had lived in between 1997 and 2007. We were stateside. Um, And I'm really, as I mentioned, I don't eat sweets. Uh, Typically, the desserts have to be, if I eat a piece of cake, I have to scrape the icing off. I just eat the, the sponge in the center. So we went to Luxembourg and it was like, oh my gosh, I can eat all of this stuff or here is all of this stuff that's available and it's not overly sweet. Like uh, people love cannolis and cannolis are great, and, but they're just, for me, I, I find them overly sweet. But in in Europe, it's it's totally different. There isn't that overloaded sugary flavor um it, it's it's naturally flavored the creams are are more natural it's it's got vanilla um and it just you know there are there are so many different flavors and so much i want to introduce you guys to uh so that you can experience the same thing uh, and you're getting a taste of it not no pun intended um uh, by what we were putting out there right now. So we went to Luxembourg and found all of these wonderful treats and came back to the U.S. and were like, where are they at? You know, so I decided we're going to bring them back with us when we go home. So knowing what we would find back back in the States, that uh, it's not about not about the quality. The quality has always been there. I grew up in an Italian neighborhood, and Italian bakeries all over God's creation – Serving wonderful pastries and and desserts, little too sweet for the most part for my taste. Um, but I wanted to bring back the flavor um, and the joy that I get from from eating all of that flavorful
0: stuff. Now, so, yeah. Now you mentioned there's a lot of trial and error, and there was some taking of classes. But like, how else do you, do you, do you figure this? Like the Queen Mont, That's something that you're just not. Maybe maybe there was some of them in Brooklyn, and someone could teach you. But I just I don't even know where I would where I would start trying to figure out how do I make this. Like how did you teach yourself to make these things? Well, you learn the you learn the basic principles. You read for forever. You know the
2: DDT in the bread breaking world is not a poison that you spray on. Uh, it's not an insecticide. DDT is desired dough temperature. So you read volumes of books and 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 because not every book has all the information in it right so you have to read a whole series of them uh from by different authors and just pick out bits and pieces and practice 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 i can tell you rolling dough making laminated dough croissants pain of chocolate in a home kitchen really stinks it is the most arduous task to roll out, and I'm not talking about—I'm talking about very small portions. I can only do 10 at a time at, in the home kitchen uh, because it's it's labor-intensive. It takes days, not hours, to uh, to make it happen. And so, yeah, you just keep practicing. And then when you get into a shop, if you want to get into a shop where you have these machines that are purpose-built you know, for that process and turn what takes six hours— into 20 minutes i'm all about that <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's great Sorry. we'll get into that we'll get into but your bacon baking at home and then eventually moving into the shop but what i mean what do you remember of your first bakes because this this is stuff that takes experience like you're i'm guessing you're not nailing it the first time
2: no no not by any stretch of the imagination there's ripped dough there's Uh, overheated dough. There's burnt dough. There's just disaster after disaster. And you learn, you know, as the saying goes, you learn from your mistakes and you try not to do something one way. You try to do it another way. A lot of trial and error until you get, you know, I have more tools, more gadgets than you could shake a stick at. And you find what works you know, you can't afford to buy this big jugunda machine while well, you buy the little one, Or, even better yet, you make something uh, on your own, like a proofer. I took a styrofoam cabinet. I put in a plant heater, you know, that comes in a roll to heat to the plant. Put a plant heater in there on the bottom and on the back wall. Put a couple of fans for electronics. And that's my proofing box. So, because you need to... You need to get the temperature just right or things just don't happen the way they're supposed to. So it's trial and error and making it work. So I've tasted perfection, so I know what I strive for, and I'm getting
0: there.
1: I think you're doing a great job, babe.
0: Well, we do try. Thank you. All right. So, Judy, as this as this passion is developing and, and he's just in the kitchen and he's trying out all these recipes, and it's trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. Is it, Are you just like, this is awesome because I'm getting to try all these different pastries? Or is it like, is Iris having a midlife crisis? What's going on here? What, what was your mindset like during this time?
1: Well, I saw he had a passion for this and he was going to go for it and make it work and figure out what went wrong. There was a lopsided um, black forest cake that he was so displeased and I'm trying it. And I'm like, are you kidding? This is great who cares what it looks like, you know, but he cares. He wanted to look a certain way. Um, And, you know, for me, I gave over the kitchen, basically, because it now became a bakery. And um, I said, well, I can do what I do. I'm, I'm in administration, so let me do the administrative side. And I'd go into our home office and started creating order forms, and my daughter helped us to put together... Uh, you know, the website and the Facebook page and uh, all sorts of things and online ordering. And that's how we started. So it was just to support him. It wasn't in our plan. I mean, we only just moved to Omaha a year and a couple of days or something like that. And so it wasn't in our plan at all. We thought, all right, well, we get here in July. Let's look for a place. We'll buy a house. We'll... um, just kind of play out the rest of the year, settle in, get with the grands and the kids, and and then we'll start looking for work after the first of the year. Well.
2: (laughs) It didn't work out that way, did it?
1: Yeah, no. So our daughter just put it out there to her network on one of her uh, network pages on Facebook and said, hey, my parents just moved here, and um, my dad makes a lot of uh, European pastries if anybody's looking for anything, you know, because they... Kids have been telling him, you got to sell this stuff. You have to open a business. You should open a shop, dad. And so she put it out there. We couldn't figure out what was going on. Like people started sending messages and ordering things and, and there it began and it just never stopped.
0: Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about Certified Piedmontese. Anyone who listens to this podcast or follows me on social media knows that I enjoy my fair share of decadent meals and delicious desserts. And that's why it's really important to me to eat really clean between big meals. And that is one of the main reasons I love certified Piedmontese. Piedmontese cattle have extra muscle mass, which allows them to maintain a rich tenderness without much fatty marbling. In fact, ounce for ounce, certified Piedmontese beef has fewer calories and more protein than salmon. Don't believe that healthy food can taste this good? Just try it. When you order off CertifiedPiedmontese.com, use the promo code HOPPEN. That's my last name, H-O-P-P-E-N. For 25% off your order, you will taste the difference for yourself. If you are looking for steak, roasts, tenderloins, bacon, and more, check out CertifiedPiedmontese.com and experience the Certified Piedmontese difference today. And now, back to my guest. So what was your initial thought when you've got Family members and, and people that you know coming to you and saying you should open a shop. is it is Are you immediately just like throwing a wall up and you're like, hey, no, I'm not ready for that. Or that's not what this is about. Or were you receptive to it? Kind of what was your thought? I took it with a grain of salt. I was like, oh, you know, it, nice.
2: people are just, you know, um, trying to support me and say, dad, we love your stuff. You know, you should sell it. And my neighbors were, were would say the same thing. I just love what I do. I I love, I I love to make good food. And as long as my family is enjoying it or, or or my customers are enjoying it, that's what brings me joy. Um, and I, I just said, nah, you know, nah. And and the reception, when we kicked it off here, I was like, okay, well, this isn't going to go anywhere. You know, okay. Christmas is right around the corner and then we'll go get a job. And, It'll be all good. Why was I mistaken? The first orders came through, and then the double orders and the triple orders, and people were coming, and I was like, and I'm doing this from a home of it. Right. So it was like, oh, no. So I, I talked to Judy, and I says, well, you know, at our age, because we're not spring chickens, uh, much to your surprise, I know, um, I said, do we want to to pursue this? Should we, you know, move forward? And she was like, whatever you think, I'm there for you. So I says, okay, well, it's going to be a lot of work. And that's another statement. So here we are.
1: And Now I say, what was I thinking?
2: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Omaha and Nebraska have just been you know, you, Dan, and everybody else have been so supportive and, you know, people and you guys, I got to tell you, you guys know food. You know, I can't tell you how many times I have been asked, are you going to use real almond paste in your almond croissants? And I was like, wow, people actually know the difference. <laughs> I, I'm really surprised. I, I, you guys know food, you know, good food. Um, and your support, uh, the support that everybody has shown us coming into the shop Saturday. We sold out, you know, an hour and a half, less than two hours, we were sold out round insane. one. And I was just blown away, a- and I can't thank everybody enough for, for the support.
0: Thank you. So, well, I mean, your product speaks for itself. There's a reason that there's a line out the door because it's so good. Uh, I want to take a quick step back and just kind of, examine the realities of being a cottage baker and you know you mentioned this a little bit earlier i can't remember what if it was the queen of mon or croissants but you said basically like once you get in a shop and you get machines a six hour process gets whittled down to 20 but just kind of pull back the curtain on what being a cottage baker is like i mean when you're baking in a kitchen and you've got a home oven and you've just got you know your island or one counter and you're the one who's rolling out everything instead of having machines like Just let people know what that's like and why they can't order from a home baker. Just say, oh, I want eight loaves of bread tomorrow. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, you can, but uh, you got to be up at, you know, the middle of the night to to do it. And hence the reason that when we opened up uh, the cottage bakery, we said, okay, we we have to be realistic. We don't want to be getting up at, at midnight or not go to sleep at all. Uh, and doing this and you have the limitations of the kitchen itself, right? Um, so we we couldn't, people couldn't order anything before, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was like 10 o'clock or, or something to that effect. And for anybody who thinks that you could even, okay, I'm a professional baker. Um, you cannot start a croissant in the morning or start. Uh, making a croissant in the morning and expect to have it by the afternoon—it just doesn't happen that way. Because you got to make, you can make the dough, but the dough has to has to rise. It has to develop that flavor, um, and that doesn't happen in hours. It happens in days. So you can't do it from one day or in one day. And it takes a number of days. And then you you factor in the labor factor of having to. Um, manually roll out and you have to do it three different times to a thickness of millimeters as opposed to to inches and which is really really thin because it has to come out perfectly or else you don't get that uh that honeycomb interior uh in the croissant so it's a lot of work so you have to limit you have to know your limitations in terms of Okay, how much can I physically produce and how long does it take me to physically produce that quantity? I mentioned earlier that I was able to do 10 or 11 croissants. That was the size of the batch. I couldn't get it, couldn't squeeze out that extra croissant out of there to make an even dozen. And even that, it takes six hours to produce that 10 croissants
0: uh, for the order. Six hours for 10 croissants? Of labor. Yeah. Oh, I'm very glad that you have machines to... Oh, okay. it's Yeah. Well,
1: and one of the things that we like about having the shop also is that people can go in and buy one of something, whereas yep. in the cottage bakery, we had to put it on the website. You know, you want bread, you have the minimum of two because it would make three loaves. Right. So we ate one, we sold two.
2: Right. And so, yeah, we couldn't sell one croissant. It would have to be in in half dozen increments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we started off by making, uh, also making tarts, but lo and behold, we find out very quickly anything that has to be refrigerated, a cottage bakery can't sell, so we had to take that off the menu. So we just stuck to the, uh, um, the
0: pastries and, and the bread. So yeah. So you guys started selling goods out of your home in November. And then it was on April 5th, you put out a Facebook post announcing that you'd be taking a short break as you moved into your new space. Like we talked about, that was a former bakery, but a different kind of bakery. What did you have to do to transform that space from a cupcake bakery into what you needed to produce your goods? A ton of
1: dough.
2: (laughs) No. um, We needed specialized equipment. I like a good pun. Yeah. (laughs) We needed specialized equipment um, and proofers uh, for for the bread and and the pastries. And what a proofer is, is basically a climatized cabinet that um, is not only temperature but humidity. Um, So you get the proper rise. Uh, The ovens were there. The flat pans were already there. The counters... Uh, were there. They had a walk-in freezer, which was great for us. You know, several refrigerators. Uh, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, and the front counter display, all of that, it really was a turnkey operation. But we had to, for example, the ovens, which were already in place, weren't really uh, set up for bread baking yeah. because it needs a certain amount of moisture. So we had to have a plumber come in and check that out. We had to have electricians come in and between the two working together as a team, they were able to now do steam injection into those older ovens until we were able to buy new ovens. So now we use all the ovens because it's uh, you know, and then just kind of like when you move into a new home and you know, first time you're in the kitchen, it's like, mm, I don't know if the spoons really work on this side and you move them to another place. And so that, that that kind of thing has to happen. You have to figure out what the flow is going to be like.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I'm so curious how you guys, like, redetermined your processes because we've talked about, you know, how different it is. Now you can, all of a sudden, instead of making 10 or 11 croissants, you know, you can make, I don't even know how many you can make a today in the bakery, 50. <laughs> 50 at a whack. 50 at a whack. <laughs> but, I mean, you have to, figure out a whole new process for that you got you got to figure out how these machines work you got to figure out okay what what's our oven schedule I mean there's a lot that goes from scaling up from something pretty small to offering an entire pastry counter worth of desserts and pastries how did you figure all that out um
2: the recipes are all are all scalable so I know that uh you know I a block of 84% butter for laminating is, you know, it's two kilos. It's four pounds of butter. Oh no, it's one kilo. Sorry. It's 2.2 pounds of butter. So I scaled my recipes for the dough, uh, to match, uh, you know, so I wasn't having to make smaller, smaller portions. So I just scaled them accordingly, uh, you know, to, uh, based on what the requirement was or is in the, in terms of of croissants and pain au chocolat. I know that the butter is this size, so I need so much dough. Um, the bread is was all scaled based on how many we wanted to produce, and, and we we had several we had two or three weeks uh, of test runs. You know, at one point I made forty loaves of bread, and we gave them all away to see how the ovens were make, uh working out. Uh, and then we had the nightmare of uh, with our laminator that we we bought from a company that um, produces companies in France, and uh, the laminator was coming. And three weeks before, um, oh, laminator is coming; it'll be there next week. And two weeks before, the laminator. The, the ship broke down, crossing the Atlantic, and you won't have your laminator. And then it's like, ah, uh, that's the corner sort of what we do, right, it was laminated dough. Um, so we had to scramble, and we were very, very fortunate that uh, we found a uh, company on the East Coast, actually, in uh, out on Long Island, Empire Bakery Equipment. They had one in stock and could get it to us in— in a couple of days, and we got the machine in and and got it working, and then it was trial and error on working with a machine you've never even laid eyes on before. So, it's all good. A lot of fun.
0: So, you guys opened the shop to the public on May thirtieth, twenty twenty three. Now, you, yes, sir. You spent years baking goods in your home. You've even, you know, had some time at this point selling them. But actually opening a shop and, like, having a storefront and seeing customers and everything, that's that's a whole different animal. What were your emotions and nerves like the night before?
1: Mm, I wasn't sure if I was ready. But, uh, you know, having experienced the hospitality in this state, which still floors me. People are just so great, so over the top, so kind. I was like, okay, people will be patient with me. <laughs> I think they'll understand, you know, and lo and behold, yes, they were. And it was really good, a little concerning initially, and you're thinking, well, is anybody going to know we're here? Um, will we sell anything? How long is it going to take, take till we really get sales numbers? And it happened relatively quickly as the word got out. We already had a following from the the Cottage Bakery, and so word had gotten out over Facebook, and folks were just waiting for us to open, so that was exciting. We just, uh, we wanted to get a certain look in the place, and uh, he left that to me. He said, I don't do decoration." I'm
2: operation. She's (laughs) administration, don't, I don't delve into that area.
1: But I wanted it to be something where people can feel, you know, really comfortable, that it's a warm feeling, and just a place where if you want to get your pastry and sit down and have a cup of coffee and just decompress, you can. So, uh, you know, we've been able to do that. And adding the POW, MIA table, that was really cool.
0: T- tell me about that a little bit for someone who hasn't been in yet.
1: All right, absolutely. So ITIS um, definitely wanted—we've uh, we've experienced such a table in, at other places, at Marine Corps Ball and different places, and most recently at the VA hospital here. But basically, it's a table for one. And it's uh, the POW, Prisoners of War, and MIA, Missing in Action— Uh, So it's just really to remember those um, who have been prisoners of war and still are prisoners of war um, in some cases, and the missing in action, those who just never came home and could be any war, nothing recent, you know, back to whenever, and just to remember those people. And each element on the table has certain uh, symbolization. so we have a placard on the table that explains all the different elements for example the lemons that are sitting on the small you know the plate the dinner plate are supposed to um represent the the bitterness of what they have been through and then the salt is a salt shaker which is the tears of the family members you know for those who haven't never come home um so yeah so we were really happy to put that there we've had people walk through and actually you know pass by, take their hat off, give a salute, you know, so it we know that it means something to many people. So we're happy to have it.
0: Very cool. Um, you now you guys talked about, you had a little bit of a following, maybe more than a little bit, uh, from selling goods out of your home, but you still, you know, there's still kind of that, that question of, are people going to know that we're a shop now? Do they know that we're open? Like, what what was the initial response like and did it surprise you guys? Were you expecting it? What, what do you remember about those first days and weeks?
2: Well, the first couple of days,
0: well, we had a, we had a pre-opening,
2: We had a soft opening and we invited a whole bunch of people out. Um, and I was, I was afraid. I, I was like, Oh my gosh, what did I get? You know, what did I get us into here? Because there are some outstanding bakeries in, in Omaha, um, and I'm like, wow, you know, can I compete with these guys? And and it's not even about competing with them because I think we're we're a niche break bakery. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be like anybody else, and I'm not trying to be like anybody else. I we do our own thing, but it was a um, it was scary because the first day, first Monday, you know, we baked all this stuff. And we don't keep anything over. So, and I come from a family where you don't throw food out. Okay. Um, But we had all of this stuff that we threw out. That's the heartbreaking piece. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when we don't sell anything, there's only so much bread that Judy and I and Matthew can eat and if we could find an organization or anybody. So I put that out there now, nah, but I digress. Um, so fright, we were, I was frightened, And, you know, the first day it was like, oh my gosh, we got to throw all this stuff away. And then the second day, you know, a couple of people came in and we're like, okay, you know, maybe it'll get better. <laughs> you know, people are on vacation. Um, and as the the week progressed, it, Thursday improved, Friday was was nice, and Saturday was great, um, and we had our first, we're in our seventh week, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, that's we, we had our- that's crazy. Yeah. Last week, last Monday was our first Monday selling out, and, and so we went through the week. Today is Monday, and this is- Red letter day, number two. So we sold out today as well. Um, The good thing is, okay, it's a business, right? It's about making money, but I don't like to be wasteful. So throwing stuff out is is not my... It's difficult for me. So, yeah, we don't have to throw anything out, thank God. Mm -hmm. Knock wood.
1: And we've been, you know, having to test the waters. All right, well, we made too much, so now let's scale back. We'll make less. We don't have that much waste and then people come in and say well you know do you have no more of this item or that item uh no we sold out of that oh okay so they'd buy other things you know and so we're like okay let's scale that back up because that seems to be the thing that sells out and then it wouldn't sell you know (laughs) we just didn't know what to do we said all right we'll just have to see how this flows
0: So we talked about this a little bit off the mics, but I want to let listeners into the inside. Uh, We're recording this on Monday, July 24th. July 22nd was kind of, that was a mad day for you guys. There was a news story that came out about the bakery the day before, correct? Yes. And then Saturday was the day where everything just went haywire. Just tell me about that day and how you guys survived it.
2: Well, uh, I had the easy part. I didn't have to deal with customers. I was just in the back. So I'm going to give this over to Judy because she is the one who went through the ordeal of dealing with all of those folks that came in.
1: Mm, Well, it actually started Friday afternoon or maybe midday after uh, the news story had aired. People were coming into the shop and saying, we just saw you on the news. We just saw you in the news. We've never been here. And you know, I mean, people were coming from far, like an hour's drive in some cases. Wow. Because they'd just seen it on the news. And I felt awful because we had run out of product. You know, people were, were just buying, buying, buying because they lived far away, you know. And we would tell people, you know, will that keep? They'd say, well, we, we have no preservatives and anything, but it will freeze well, you know, in the case of breads and that sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, then Saturday, we said, well, you know, we're open tomorrow, but we don't open till eight o'clock Saturday. Uh, and they were about eight cars in the parking lot from about seven forty, 740, seven forty-five, waiting for us to open. Oh boy! And when we opened, they quickly made a line inside, and then everybody else just followed, and it was nonstop. Um, and until we we sold out in an hour and twenty minutes, I believe it was.
2: Yeah, and we. We, As Judy had mentioned, we were in there quite late in anticipation uh, of Saturday being heavy traffic, uh, as Saturday typically is. So we put out four times the amount that we would normally put out now on any given day. So we said, oh, you know, this stuff, it'll be good. We'll be good all day, an hour and a half, hour and 20 minutes, whatever it was. And I says, okay, well, we got to scramble, but the only thing I can do is I can make more, but I just need time. So we opened up at eight, an hour and a half, so that was nine thirty. And I says, okay, I can do it in two and a half hours. So if you give me till eleven thirty, I can put out more. And so we said, okay, then put it out there to to everybody. Come back at eleven thirty, we'll have round two. And at eleven twenty five, people were lined up outside the door. I was like too many crickets. It was, it was chaos, mm-hmm. so, so we put everything out that we had, and everything went out.
1: All right, and then I decided to come in on Sunday, because now we had nothing. Now we had from nothing oh, wow. yeah. So, Sunday's usually our closed day, where it's like, okay, we're going to rest, because we work 12-hour days. So, yeah, he worked on yeah. Sunday to be ready for today.
0: I can't imagine how stressful that is, and just how tired you are, honestly, but I sleep well, good. <laughs> but but it kind of goes back to what you said at, at the very beginning of the podcast. You said you do this because you love to see people be happy when they eat your food, yeah. and so I'm sure seeing a line out the door is part of you is just like anxiety just sh- shooting up, but part of you is also like, whoa, well, all those people are here for our food. That's crazy. the The reviews, your
2: review. There were, there was a gentleman, Zach. Um, who's a chef by trade. Uh, he came in, and one day we were speaking, and I I gave him, uh, he tried some of the, the items, and I saw his eyes, and he was like, he, his eyes just lit up, uh, and he said, this is wonderful. Um, and I was just, I was blown away. I was like, and then he reviewed, he bought stuff, and he reviewed me or, or review the shop on, on Facebook and I was like, guffaw. You know, I was just I was like, whoa, dude. Not like uh, patting myself on the back. I was like, wow. Wow. People actually like my stuff. Yeah. And yeah, it's just very just very humbling. Um so and, I, and I'm I'm I can't tell you how pleased I am that that everybody enjoys what they're having. It just uh it it just yeah adds to it makes it makes it
0: worthwhile Mm -hmm. to know that that people are enjoying what we produce Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely as we're wrapping up here i mean this might seem like a crazy question considering you guys have been open for seven weeks so it's hard like you're so new it's it's hard to think about the future when you're like smack dab in the middle of the present (laughs) but as you look forward and you think about what you know i mean how far reese's bakery has come and seven eight months like do you do you allow yourself to think about the future and if you do what do you see we are
2: literally or we know uh omaha is literally tasting the tip of the proverbial iceberg there is there is so much more oh you were exciting that, me right oh now. my gosh however a but there's always a but um can't do it with the number of people that we have. Uh staff is you know, it's just Matt and I who are who are baking. Judy's got the front counter and all of the uh everything that goes along with it and the, the administration and end of it. Um so if we can get some people in there that, and it doesn't you don't have to have skills. You don't have to be a baker. You have to have the love for food. Put it open. Uh, that's it. And you know we'll train you and and teach you and teach you what DDT is and how to figure that out and all that good stuff, um, so that we could bring more of this homemade goodness, which is our slogan. That's right, our uh, slogan: slogan. Uh, homemade goodness to Omaha.
1: Yeah, I, I see um a little bit the interesting uh kind of future I kind of see it expanding because I just want to have more places to sit I want people to come sit and, and hang out and just enjoy a good time
0: Well, so, I, I love it our our time is getting short here but I, I could talk to you guys for hours you are fascinating you have a great story and your product speaks for itself I mean seriously people I, I don't even need to give you a testimonial like you've heard them talk about it you can hear the way that they care about this you've seen the response it like it's happening people are recognizing it so if you haven't had reese's bakery stop in maybe go on not a saturday (laughs) give these guys a little bit of a break but honestly it's it's so so good uh iris and judy thank you so much for taking i mean you talked about how busy you are you took an hour of time to come on this podcast thank you so much yes sir Thanks. our pleasure Ola, as always, thanks for eating with us.
1: A Huda Media Production.